Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. If you have your Bibles, turn to the 18th chapter of Acts. Uh, and as you're turning there, let me remind those of you who, who uh, are at times in your life needing someone to talk to, uh, have family members that are needing some counsel, maybe for their marriage or for their personal life. We're so thrilled. I'm just all, every week I'm just so thankful. With our partnership with Branches, Counseling Center, and uh, Mike and Doris Courtney, and they have about almost 20 full-time counselors on staff, and if you know of someone, I recommend them just about every week to someone. If you know family members that are needing a listening ear and some help and guidance, let me encourage you to always remember branches. And speaking of branches... We have two big conferences coming up here at Family Worship Center in, uh, the, in October and November. And those are the Branches Simply Free Conference. Simply Free Conference is going to be taking place here at Family Worship Center in October. And people from all over America will be coming in here for that conference. And then uh, I think it's the first week, of, um, it's sometime in, after that in November, is going to be our Women's Conference, the Strong, Strong Women's Conference is what they've entitled it. So ladies, we're going to be having a, a special guest speakers, worship, and it's just going to be a conference for women. So two large conferences are taking place here at Family Worship Center later this year to help you grow spiritually. So I want to encourage you to put that in your memory bank for the days to come. Acts chapter 13, let's begin reading with verse number 14. I'm going to read it out of the New International Version. I love this translation of it. And then we'll go from there. It's talking about the Apostle Paul and his sidekick Barnabas. And they were sent out as missionaries. It says, From Perga they went on to Pisidian, Antioch. On the Sabbath they entered the synagogue and sat down. They went to church and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. In other words, they said, Anybody got a word from God here today? Verse 16, Standing up, Paul motioned with his hands and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. Verse 18. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. And he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Verse 21, then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. 
He will do everything I want him to do. Verse 23. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Now go down a few verses to verse 26. Verse number 26. Fellow children of Abraham, Paul continues on here preaching. He says, fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. Verse 29. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. Verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, his children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have become your father. Verse 34, God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. Verse 35, So it is also stated elsewhere, You will not let your holy one see decay. Finally, verse 36, Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Hallelujah. We who call Family Worship Center our spiritual home and Christian family have embraced three words that defined our reason for existence as a church. We've embraced three words. We talk about them quite often, and I just want to remind us of them again today. And those three words are simply this, believe. We believe. We are a spiritual people. We as Family Worship Center, the reason we've gathered together, the reason we come together, the reason we're growing, the reason we stay together as a church is because we're a spiritual people. We're a supernatural family who have placed a priority on our spiritual life. We're different than a civic club. We're different than a fraternity. We're different than a sorority. We're different than one of these clubs, the country club, or people that gather for for various reasons in town. We are a spiritual people. And the priority on our life is our spirit man. We have placed a priority on our spiritual life, and what we believe is very important to us. I've heard well-meaning but misinformed people over the years, make statements like this. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe. How many have ever heard somebody say something like it? It just really doesn't matter what you believe. Just believe. It doesn't matter what you... It doesn't matter where you go to church as long as you go to church. Well, that's, that's well-intentioned and I appreciate it, but it's misinformed. It does matter what you believe. It does matter what you listen to. It does matter what you read. It does matter what you see. It does matter where you go and where you don't go. 
In reality, nothing could be further from the truth because what we believe, what we believe determines the quality and the direction of our life in the here and now and also in the hereafter. What we believe determines the quality of our life in the here and now and also in the hereafter. The Bible, God's Word, informs us that it's important to believe correctly. It does matter what we believe. We are a people who place a priority on believing. So it matters what we believe. And the Bible says it's important that we believe correctly. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23. Notice what it says. The wisest man that ever lived, the Bible says there's never been anybody like him before or follow him. Solomon says this. Guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart. For out of it, for it determines the course of your life. In other words, God's word correctly tells us that out of our heart, out of our heart proceeds our views and value of life. Out of your heart. So it matters what you believe. It matters what you think. It matters what you put inside of you. It matters because it determines the course of our life and the quality of our life. And unfortunately in life, sometimes situations and circumstances arise that seem unfair and doesn't make sense. And you better believe correctly when the unfair moments come to your life. Uh, It's easy to have a positive view of life when all is going well. But eventually, the shadows of heartbreak and brokenness find every one of us. And it's during the dark night of the soul, as the author said, when life has turned against us, that what we believe determines our outlook for the rest of our life. So it is vitally important what we believe. We, know, we all know people. We've all, we might have family members. Or we might be sitting here today as one. Of those individuals whose life's unfairness and misfortunes have come. And it's tainted and scarred our healthy view of life. We all know somebody who was doing great. And then all of a sudden life's misfortune came their way. Something happened that was unfair. They were betrayed. They were done wrong. They were abused. Something occurred. Somebody died in their family that wasn't ready to go. Something and They lost a job. They were unfairly treated. Something happened. The dark night of the soul came to their house. And because they didn't believe correctly, it has tainted and scarred their healthy view of life from that moment on. So it's important that you and I believe correctly. The quality of my relationship with God is based upon believing correctly. You can't have a solid relationship with God if you're not believing correctly. Look what the Word says. Let me prove it to you. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. It says this, And it is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him or come to God must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely 
Seek him. Often I'm asked by people, Pastor, what is faith? We live in a world, we live in a world that is a post we live in a post Christian culture where people are are not raised in church and people have no idea of what the terms we use, faith and spirituality and and things like that, they don't they don't understand those terms. They have a different definition of them completely. And people come to me, there's hardly a week that goes by that I don't run into somebody when they find out if I'm a pastor, they want to talk. They want to talk about faith. And they say, well, what is your definition of faith? And, you know, if you're raised in church and you was raised under the King James Version, here's your definition. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How many have ever heard that one? Well, can anybody tell me what that means? I've been in church all my life, and I still haven't got that one figured out. But if you really break it down, faith is simply, get it down here where old boys from Columbia, Tennessee can figure it out. Faith is simply what you believe. Faith is what we believe. And notice what God's Word says. He says, we cannot please God without faith. And if faith is simply what you believe... Here's what he's saying. You and I cannot please God without believing. We've got to believe. Well, I stopped believing. I stopped believing in God. Well, you're not pleasing to him. I stopped believing God loves you. Oh, you're not pleasing. The Bible says you can't please God unless you're believing. Why do we place an emphasis on believing? Why do we come together and worship? Why do we come together and listen every week to words from this book to increase our believing? Why? Because we cannot please God without believing. You can give to charitable functions and not be pleasing God if you don't believe. You can give your body to be burned, but if you don't believe, you can't be pleasing to God. We cannot please God without believing. And then notice what else it says. Our believing must be correct or it will hinder our access to God. People say, well, anybody can get to God. No, they can't, not if you don't believe correctly. You can't, but well, there's, you know, the Muslims can get to God. The Buddhists can get to God. Not if you don't believe correctly. I'm not trying to be a hater here. I'm not a hater. I love those, those people. But this is what the Word says. Notice what it says. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. See, you've got to believe correctly. You've got to believe He is and you've got to believe that He's a rewarder. He's not a, he's not a fire-breathing, go-get-or-drag-and-kill-you guy. He's a rewarder. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we live by faith, not by sight. What is faith? Faith is what we believe. So what does the New Living Translation says? It says it this way. For we live by believing, not by seeing. One of the words that we emphasize here at Family Worship Center is belief. Why? Because we live by what we believe. We don't live by seeing. Now, unfortunately, most of us Christians, we live, breathe, expect, and navigate our daily life by seeing. Most of us, most of us, be honest, most of us live by what we see. We live by what we feel. We live by what we hear. We hear something bad, it gets us down. We see something bad, it disturbs us. We feel bad, we treat everybody bad because we feel bad. And the Bible says we don't live. We shouldn't live by what we see, what we feel, what we hear. 
The Bible says as Christians, we are to live by what we believe. I like to say it this way. The natural man sees first and believes in response. The spiritual man believes first, then waits for his sin to get in line with his believing. Let me repeat that. The natural man sees first and believes. Well, I saw that, so I believe it. That's the natural man. I saw it and I believed it. But the spiritual man believes first and then waits for his seeing what he sees to get in line with his believing. Let me prove it to you. Turn to Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. We emphasize three words here. And the first one is believe. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said this, Therefore I say to you, what thing, what, what, whatever things you asked when you pray, believe that you received them and you will have them. Let's read again. Jesus said, Whatever things you asked when you pray, believe that you received them and you will have them. Now, according to what Jesus says, leave that verse up there, Jamie. According to what Jesus says, what comes first? The believing or the seeing? Believing. Whatever things you asked when you pray, pray, believe that you received them And then you will see them. So according to Jesus, the thing that comes first is the believing, not the seeing. So that's why we put an emphasis on believing. Believing. The second word that we emphasize here at Family Worship Center that we've embraced is the word belong. We believe and we belong. We belong. One of the definitions of the word belong is to fit in a certain place or environment. We not only believe, but we also belong. We fit here in this church. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Everybody still here? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Notice what it says. Paul's talking. He's talking to Christians at the church at Corinth. He could say it this way. I'm talking to Christians at the church in Murfreesboro. Here's what he's saying. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Some are slaves. And some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body. By one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yesterday we saw another outbreak of hate and racism in our nation. That broke our hearts. Let me tell you, the only answer for this this terrible blight upon our nation, is the Lord Jesus Christ. For in Him there is no Jew or Gentile, black or white. There's none of that. We're all one. Notice what he says. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body, by one Spirit. And we all share the same Spirit. Now look at verse 14. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? 
Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell? I'm so thankful the Lord didn't call me to be the nose. Verse 18, but our body, our body has many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. We emphasize three words, believe, because it's important what you believe. What you believe, out of what you believe, proceeds your course of life. Not only in the here and now, but the hereafter. But not only do we put an emphasis on believing... But we also put an emphasis on belonging. And have you ever noticed how the Lord symbolizes and defines us as Christians as body parts? Have you ever noticed? He calls us things such as eye and hand and feet and ears and nose. Have you ever noticed he didn't call us a singer? He didn't call us a musician? He... He didn't call us a preacher. He didn't call us a parking lot assistant. He, he didn't call us a greeter. He calls us an eye, an ear, a hand, a nose, feet. That's what he calls us. And have you ever thought about that? Our natural organs must be connected to the body or they will not survive. He calls us a hand. He calls us an ear. He calls us an eye. He calls us a nose. Well, just like with your eye and with like your ears and your hands, if they're not connected to the body, they won't survive. Every time an organ donor dies, a timer starts counting down. Once a surgeon removes a kidney from a body, It can only survive, that kidney outside the body can only survive for 36 hours. Livers, 4 to 16 hours. Hearts can only survive outside the body 3 to 5 hours. So today, if an organ doesn't make it to an acceptable donor, by the time the clock runs out, it's discarded. It's useless. Now, science is working feverishly to try to enable body parts to live longer through cryogenics and being able to freeze them. But right now, they haven't been able to get it perfected. Right now, our body parts, if you're an organ donor, has to be removed and placed into another functioning body within a certain time limit or that body part will not function any longer. Did you know a heart? I looked this up. A heart, a heart, a heart transplant is $975,000. A heart transplant is nine hundred seventy. You can get a heart on the black market, honestly, for $119,000. If we don't get this building paid for... Lock your doors at night. That's all I can say. A kidney is $89,000 on the black market. An eye is also in the $80,000 on the black market. And there is black market. There's black market in other countries. They buy and sell organs. In other words, each one of our organs have a value. 
Likewise, each one of us in the body of Christ, because we're called an eye, an ear, a nose, a feet, and hand. We have value, but only as long as we're connected to the body. Our eyes are very valuable to us, aren't they? When I turned 40 years of age, I noticed the writing on the paper began to be a little blurry. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Up until then, I never considered the value of my eyesight. Until I got 40, I never thought about my eyes. My eyes were great. I could see a pretty blonde coming, and I saw her. And, and that's all I needed to know. My eyes were good. But when I got 40, man, the paper got weird on me. And it was up until I turned 40, it wasn't until I turned 40, that I discovered the value of my eyesight. And today, my eyesight has become very valuable to me. These eyes, which are so important to me, if they're not connected to my body, they have no value whatsoever. Now listen, I want to share something with you today that might be a little hard, but I want to share it from a spirit of a pastor, okay? Because I'm concerned. But here's what I want you to hear. We live in a community that promotes Christianity without connectedness. We live in a community that promotes Christianity without connectedness. Every day, multiple times a day, I encounter, I encounter people who proclaim Jesus as Lord, but they are not connected or serving in a local church. And just like our body parts, when they're not connected, they are no good. If they're not connected, they're no good. And they are not fulfilling their God-given purpose. I see bumper stickers, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. The other day I pulled in Kroger's and somebody had a bumper sticker and said, Jesus is Lord, and they got out when I got out. And I said, hey, Jesus is Lord, and they... Looked at me and said, I said, where do you go to church? Well, we don't really go. Well, Jesus in the Lord. When he said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some, and then you say Jesus is Lord, he's not Lord. He's not Lord of your life. See, we, we promote a Christianity without connectedness. And the Bible says, the Bible says that if the eye is not connected and the hand is not connected and the feet are not connected and the ears are not connected, that they're no good. Even in natural science today, we understand that if an organ donor gives an organ, it's got to get connected to another body real quick or it's thrown out. It's no good whatsoever. Look with me at John 15, 1. I am the true vine, Jesus said, and my Father is the gardener. Jesus said, I'm the vine, my Father is the gardener. Look at verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So Jesus is the vine, the Father is the gardener, and then he says, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now look at verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so it will even be more fruitful. Listen to what he says. He says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Remember what I said? 
Today, if an organ doesn't make it to an acceptable donor by the time the clock runs out, it's discarded. It's useless. Jesus says, if you don't bear fruit, if you're not connected, you get cut out. You say, that sounds hard. He said it. I don't blame me. He said it. That's why we emphasize belonging. At Family Worship Center, we have embraced three words that define our purpose. For existence as a church family, we believe because our believing determines the course of our life in the here and now and the hereafter. We belong. Why? Because you're of no use to God as a part of the body unless you're connected to the body. And then also, we serve too. We believe, we belong, we serve too. The three words are believe, belong, and serve. At the beginning of this lesson today, we read from Acts 13. Paul and Barnabas are sent out as missionaries to proclaim the gospel. They arrive in Antioch and go to the church on church Sunday. The church leaders notice them and ask them to preach. Paul begins a brief history lesson on the children of Israel, the prophets, and the kings. And he begins to compare King David with Jesus. And the Jewish leaders in Antioch admire King David, so that's why he compares King David with Jesus. And we picked it up in verse 26. Let's read that again. Acts 13, verse 26. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. Verse 29. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, You will not let your holy one see decay. Verse 36. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Listen to the last words spoken about King David. It's not about Bathsheba. It's not about killing Goliath. It's not about his exploits. It's not even about his psalms and his singing. It's not about his musical ability. That's not the last word on King David. It's not because he was the son of Jesse. It's none of that. Listen to the last word God speaks about King David. He says this, Now when David had served, everybody say serve, God's purpose for his own generation, he fell asleep. Question, are we... Serving God's purpose for our life in our generation. 
are we serving? See, remember, we believe, we belong, and we're all an ear, nose, we're something. We're some part, and every part's got a function. And it's supposed to be connected to the body. Now, is it serving a purpose? Are you serving your purpose? Are you serving? God has a purpose for each one of us. We are parts of the body, and each part has a purpose. No exceptions. No exceptions. No exceptions. And let me say, share this with you in all kindness. Your purpose is not just to come every once in a while. It's to serve. Over the next couple of weeks, as we launch into this new season of 2017, we're going to be teaching on the theme, I serve too. I serve too. I not only believe, I not only belong, but I serve too. I make an intentional decision to fulfill God's purpose for my life by serving in some capacity my generation. I serve. Why do I serve? I serve to live out God's word for my life. Because he tells us to. I want to be obedient to that. I serve to strengthen my spiritual growth. I've noticed when I get involved serving other people, I get blessed more than the other people. It all I don't know why that happens, but anytime I get involved serving, I always leave the one blessed. It encourages me, it enables my spiritual growth. I serve to love others. We pray for people to, oh Lord, let them see your love. Let them experience your love. You know how the number one way people experience the love of God? Through our serving one another. Our serving. So I serve to love others. And then I serve to connect and form relationships. There's some of you that I have gotten to know just in the last couple of months. And man, man, then I just think you are swell. We think you are just bomb diggity. Now, there's some of you, the jury's out, but most of you, we really. And I just, I'm, we're loving the relationships. So that's the reason we serve. And then finally, we're going to emphasize this, and we're going to ask everybody who considers Family Worship Center their home, we're going to ask everybody, I serve it two times a month at FWC. I serve two. See, I serve two. I serve also, but I also serve two times a month. We're all busy. We understand this is a different day. It's a different day. We're all busy. People live very busy lives. They drive into Nashville to work. They drive to just to drive across town here to go to work. It'll wear you out. It's just a different day. People fuss about it. I hear preachers, people are not faithful. People are busy. They're just trying to get by. We understand that. The days of people serving two services, four Sundays a month, and on Wednesday night, and coming to another meeting during the... Those days are maybe few people, but most people are just... They love Jesus, but they're just trying to get by in life. It's just a different day. And we understand that. doesn't mean you're not spiritual. It just means that it's a different day in life. It's a different season. Things have changed. But we do believe 
that everybody can serve twice a month. We do believe that everybody can give up some time two times a month. So we believe we belong and we serve too. We not only serve also, but we find a place to serve twice a month at Family Worship Center. And David served the will of God in his own generation. And then he fell asleep. Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.